Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. Now, Bitcoin mining has been seen as a form of energy-intensive process. According to a Bloomberg report, some studies estimate that the annual energy consumption involved in mining exceeded the amount used by the whole of Belgium. But hey, did you know that one startup is taking advantage of this energy-intensive process to unlock cheaper and more sustainable sources of energy in Africa? Well, here's how it works, right? Africa is a haven for renewable energy, but a lot of it has not been harnessed due to the costs involved in building the infrastructure needed to make them usable. But on the flip side, Bitcoin miners, they are always looking for ways to tap energy at lower costs to create new tokens. So what this startup called Greedless does is to locate miners with renewable sources and create a financial incentive for renewable power production in Africa. And that in turn makes energy cheaper and more accessible for the people in Africa. Sounds exciting, isn't it? Well, enough of me talking here and let's welcome our guest, Eric Hersman, co-founder and CEO of Gridless on the show. Hi, Eric, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Great to have you joining us all the way from Africa as well. And uh, Eric, we've briefly talked about this in the introduction, but best to hear from you. Help us understand how exactly do you co-locate Bitcoin miners with renewables? So we look for people who are already building or have already built a renewable energy uh, development in a, in, a, in a part of the community that needs it. Um, and then we go to them and we find their excess power. So if you think about it this way, Bitcoin keeps energy from being wasted. It doesn't just use power, it pays for the power. So oftentimes you'll have a, a developer who has to overbuild hydro in a, in, a, in a community, in a village, in a rural area. Um, that's so that they can take advantage of the amount of power that will be used in a few years' time. But that power takes a few years to be used um, for the people in those villages, in that community, to buy the the different tools, whether it's, you know, they start with, you know, charging their phones and turning on lights, but then eventually they, they'll maybe buy a TV or a refrigerator. Um, but that takes a few years. So until that time, we take up that excess capacity of energy that um, would otherwise be wasted. Right. So as as I understand it, it's sort of trying to increase the demand for energy in that area and try to lower the cost and build up economies of scale. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of. It's it's um it's filling the gap um, because what you need often for these for these mini grids, there's, these are mostly mini grids. So this is usually under one megawatt of power. And uh, what you need is you need somebody who's an industrial off taker. And most of the time, there's not businesses large enough to take all that energy in these rural communities. So we come in and we put um, Bitcoin mining, so small data centers, and they can be as small as just six mining machines into a small facility, or they could be a container size uh, with maybe 100 machines in it. And, um, and what that does is it means that we take up all that extra amount of power that would have gone to waste. And what that does for people is number one, the developer has a more sustainable business now because they have an industrial anchor tenant. Uh, number two, uh, because we're there, it can decrease the cost of power for everybody in the community. The price of power can go down because now the the supplier of the power to that community has an industrial off-taker, has an anchor tenant uh, that they can rely on for reliable income. Well, Eric, let's talk more about Gridless uh, progress. 
at which stage is the company currently at in terms of your skill? And I understand you have three operational pilot sites in Nairobi. So tell us more about that. So we're not, I mean, we sit in Nairobi, but we don't uh, actually just, we don't work in Nairobi because most of the places we work are well out into the rural communities. So we're outside, you know, two and a half, three hours um, from Nairobi. And yeah, we have we have two sites that are running right now in one location. We have a third site that is um, also live, not too far away. And then we have um, two new countries we're going to be opening up in uh, over the next four to six weeks. So we'll have uh, two new sites in two new countries. So that'll be a total of five by February. Give us a little bit more detail as to which countries they are and anything to share at this point. Yeah, well, I can say that both sites are, you know, they're fairly small because we want to test out, you know, our our capacity to be operational in these other countries. Uh, so both of them are under 50 kilowatts each. So those are very small sites, um, you know, that will run about 14 to 15 servers in them. So 14 to 15 uh, Bitcoin miners in them. And uh, one of them is solar. One of them is hydro. This will be our first so test on solar. Solar doesn't usually work because... Um, it only suddenly shines a certain number of hours per day. And so you need a place that has good, you know, good sunshine. And if you're going to do solar, you also look for places that have battery storage. Um, in this case, we found a partner that does have battery storage already. Um, but the other place is hydro, uh, which is our bread and butter is what we're most used to. And um, we're excited about both of them. Um, one is in West Africa and one is in Southern Africa. Uh, most of the time we work here in East Africa, so it's just us getting into different parts of the region. Right. And so, Eric, help us understand at the current scale that you're operating, how many households are you benefiting and what does this mean for the lives and livelihoods of people in the area? Yeah, so it's, it, it differs, right, because communities have different densities. Um, but generally speaking, like we'll be at a, you know, at one of our smaller sites, let's say it's, uh, you know, 50 or 70 kilowatts, that'll be, a, you know, somewhere between... I don't know, 100 to 500 families will be benefiting from that power. Um, and then for the larger sites where we're going up to like 500 kilowatts or half a megawatt, um, you'll get many more. Um, what's interesting is that our power partners are the ones who then run the grid. They create a grid locally. And so their job is to go out and actually put the wire between that, that power location and the community. And so um, you can go and talk to them because they're, they're in the communities that just are all around you. You can see what happens when somebody has power. Uh, I think that's what's uh, you know, so often forgotten uh, in the rest of the world is that when, when you're really used to power all the time, you're used to be able to have good internet, you're used to having the lights just turn on, you don't realize the difference it makes in somebody's life when they are able to turn on power. And so, so let me give you an idea of what that actually looks like. So in Africa, you know, we have about 600 million people without access to power. That's not even, uh, it's not even without, there's a lot of people who have access to power, but aren't able to pay for it. Affordable power is another problem, but let's say just access to power. So that 600 million people without access to electricity actually represents about two thirds of the global population that doesn't have power. So it's a big number. And there needs to be a lot of investment into power generation in this continent for people to catch up with the rest of the world. Um, for that to happen, the really the best option is mini grids. And so mini grid financing is a problem. And this is where we also work. So when there's an organization that needs to, that, that is interested in putting power and trying to move further and further, push that grid further and further to the edges into the more rural areas, um, 
but they have a hard time getting financing. So if they can have an anchor tenant like us who comes along and takes up maybe 50, 70% of the power for those initial years, as that community builds up the capacity to take that power from them, uh, that strengthens their ability to get financing. And um, so the more financing that can happen quicker uh, allows the energy to proliferate across the continent. And um, and hopefully we can change the tide on, on kind of African electrification um, using Bitcoin mm. mining. I think that's actually right. one of the biggest stories here. Mm. So with a company like Gridless bringing in demand from Bitcoin miners, what you are doing essentially in a way is also lowering the price of electricity for the communities as well. So help us understand uh, what is the price difference we are looking at? How far can you lower the price of energy? So it really depends, right? That's one of those relative questions. Uh, what I will say is this, in some of the places we've gone, we've seen the price drop from about 35 cents to 25 cents or 20 cents. Uh, per kilowatt uh, for the community. So, and that's just because we're able to come in there and be an anchor tenant for that energy partner. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Eric Hersman, co-founder and CEO of Gridless. Well, Eric, let's turn our attention to look at Gridless value proposition as a startup. What would you consider to be your biggest competitive advantage? How do you access competition or potential competition in the industry? So, you know, there's a lot of large miners across the world. And um, we're a small miner, we're new. And I think one of the biggest benefits is we're actually building in a very rough time. This is a, a bad part of the market, it's a bear market. And so building in a bear market is generally a good thing to do, no matter what the industry. And um, so we get to take advantage of some of the failures or, or changes in pricing that weren't there even six to nine months ago. You know, the cost of a mining machine has dropped from you know eight to ten thousand down to you know a thousand to fifteen hundred uh, U.S. dollars per machine, and so we get to take advantage of things like that. But one of our biggest advantages is that we're in Africa, right? Um, and you know it, it's counterintuitive, uh, but the reason it's it's interesting is because in Africa we don't have good grids, so that means that when we go to a location, we really are important. We're we are one of those buyers of last resort. And we, we, we can make deals and find opportunities that would be hard for people to find. Um, the pricing of that power uh, would be hard to find in other parts of the world uh, because the, the, the energy partner doesn't have any other options. So that gives us a competitive advantage too. So I think on just those two fronts, the price of, of inputs and then um, the, the partnership of opportunities for energy providers are, are both really interesting. And, um, I guess maybe the third thing is that, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life uh, here uh, in East Africa. I, I grew up in Kenya and South Sudan, and um, we know we know Africa pretty well. And the last company we built was about infrastructure and connectivity in these same rural communities. So we understand how to work and build infrastructure in these places, and that gives us a, a unique advantage uh, in the space. So Africa, looking at Africa as a market, what are the barriers to entry? Would you see it as having a high barrier of entry? Can anyone replicate what you are doing right now? So that's a good question. You know, we um, the thesis around this is something that I call 21st century villages. 21st century villages is this basic idea that you can't have a 21st century economy uh, without power and connectivity. Those are the two things that you need. Um, and so if you look at Africa, most of the places that you go are missing one or both of those items, electricity or connectivity. So if you can offer uh, something into these areas that that helps proliferate one or both of those, you, you can change the landscape entirely. Now, that's not unique to us, right? Uh, so this idea about 
what makes up um, the the you know the the foundations that all of these other things can ride on um, is really important. And that template isn't that complicated. You do need to understand how to work in Africa, how how people here deal with business and how communities operate and how they think about things. But if you're willing to do that, then other people can do this too. It takes time and work. You've got to get down to the trenches and and actually kind of get your feet dirty. But if right. you're willing to do that, then there's opportunities to, to build. I see. Well, looking at the bigger picture, though, and you mentioned this earlier to Eric, a bear market in sight. So do you see the ongoing crypto route weighing on the crypto mining industry and gridless? So, you know, the bear market is um, is bad if you're already in it but good if you're just starting, right? Because uh, like I said earlier, the pricing is, right. is really good for us right now. And so exactly. we, we get to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, the, on the, uh, just kind of on, on a base level, I should say that I think that Bitcoin um, as a, as an asset is, um, is at a good price right now. And maybe it'll even get a little bit better, but that mm-hmm. um, long-term, that it will it'll it'll be a very valuable asset to own. So we understand that we believe that, and um, what we do is with the with the financing that we've received, we're able to buy miners and build uh, capacity, and then then earn and and stack Bitcoin. And I think that's what we're we're most excited about is that right now the price is low, and we're able to stack it. And as it goes higher, we'll be able to benefit from that too. Right. Before we end the interview, we always want to look at future plans. Gridless, in fact, just last month, received a two million US dollar seed investment from Jack Dorsey's block and also venture capital investor Stillmark. How do you intend to use the capital raised and what's next for Gridless in the next three to five years? Yeah, so our goal is to take that capital and um, take advantage of the bear market, like we were just talking about, be able to buy uh, money equipment and increase capacity um, so that we can we can build up the strong hash rate um, over the next you know couple of years, uh, especially as you know in about I guess it's about fourteen or fifteen months, maybe sixteen months now. Um, there's going to be the having for Bitcoin, which means that you earn less every uh, every ten minutes, and so you know trying to build capacity before that happens, but to do it at the right price rate. Um, I think I think it's really if you want to understand the thesis of what we do. It's, it's saying, hey, listen, uh, we find stranded energy and make sure that, that it's no longer wasted. We, you know, energy is in little silos right now. It doesn't transport well. It doesn't store well. It has to be consumed immediately. So if we can partner with organizations that help proliferate that electricity further out to the edges, that is a really good model. And it's, a, and it's maybe the missing component for mini grids to proliferate across Africa. If we can do that and make good money at the same time, then we're happy to do that. And uh, I think our investors are happy to see that as well. All right. Exciting days indeed. Looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Eric. That was Eric Usman, co-founder and CEO of Gridless. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.